Hello, I'm Halima Ahmani. Welcome back to Africa Science Focus. This week, the trailblazing Esther Mai Campbell. One day uh, I was with her going to the clinical sessions at Wimbili National Hospital and I was just sitting beside her and I was looking outside the windows. She told me, Doctor, why, why are you staying idle? Why don't you take your books and start reading instead of looking outside? And just from there, I usually walk with my handbook or something in my handbag so that I can read. Whatever I have nothing to do, I remember that sound of my professor. Why don't you take something and read instead of staying idle? That's Ayam Kalingonji, a lecturer at Tanzania's Habat Kairuki Memorial University and a former student of Esther Maikambo. Professor Maikambo was Tanzania's first female physician and at 81, she is still pushing boundaries and leading the charge for women in medicine in sub-Saharan Africa. Professor Maikambo used her passion for science to overcome poverty. She studied medicine in Russia for seven years before returning to Tanzania after graduating in 1969. Over the next 50 years, Professor Maikambo broke records, becoming Tanzania's first female pediatrician, the country's first female medical professor, and the first woman to lead the Tanzania Academy of Sciences. Plus, the country achieved significant reductions in poverty during the more than 10 years that Professor Mai Campbell was chair of the Research on Poverty Alleviation Institute. All the while, Professor Mai Campbell has played a pivotal role at Habat Kairuki Memorial University, training other medical professionals to follow in her footsteps. And as our reporter Michael Kaloki hears, Professor Mike Campbell's work is not done yet. You have been quite keen on ensuring the eradication of female genital mutilation in Tanzania. According to the World Health Organization, there has been an almost 50% reduction in FGM rates in Tanzania between 1996 and 2021. Do you feel your work has contributed to this reduction? And if so, how? Yeah, this is a good question. I'm glad that uh, WHO has recorded 50% reduction of female genital mutilation. Considering to where we are coming from in 1996 when the campaigns against female genital mutilation started, I think we've made a good progress. It's my opinion that uh, our struggles have uh, made this uh, substantial change of um, reducing the cases of uh, female genital mutilation. So I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. Just over a decade ago, the African Union launched the African Union Initiative on Eliminating Female Genital Mutilation. However, despite such initiatives, FGM has not yet been fully eradicated. Why do you feel that is the case? I, I, I would have expected better results. But uh, the, the female genital mutation is still there. It's still going on. And uh, in many countries, it has not improved substantially. The fact that people continue, in, in, it means that they haven't understood the meaning of uh, or why we are talking so much against it. Why is it that I would say it's because they've not maybe made up decision or it's because it's a cultural thing. And when cultural things are not very easily you know, eradicated. They will take time 
they take time for everybody to understand and to adhere to, to our proposals or to our suggestions. As a researcher of behavioral sciences, what role do you feel cultural beliefs have to play in hindering moves to eradicate FGM on the continent? It is true, I have no doubt that cultural beliefs play an important role in hindering moves to eradicate female genital mutilation in Africa. But the fact that this uh, cultural behavior or practice is still continuing in many countries in Africa, if you go to Guinea today, you go to Somalia today, and you go to many African countries in West Africa, you'll find that the female genital mutilation has not really substantially improved to what we would have expected. Professor Mike Campbell's mother died when she was just a young child. Throughout her career, this pioneering doctor has pushed to make the health care more accessible to mothers, women and children in a country where almost half of the population lives below the international poverty line. Esther, through your career, you have uh, set out to improve the health care of women in Tanzania on a number of fronts. For example, you have worked to try and ensure availability of medical care to women with breast cancer in the country, as well as trying to improve medical access to mothers and their children in all parts of Tanzania. Taking these two areas as an example of part of your mission to improve women's health, have you seen positive changes across the regions of the country? The answer is yes and no. I have seen positive changes, but very minimal. It could have been better, actually, considering what has been going on throughout this period. I would have expected better results. The issue of breast cancer in women is still rampant throughout Africa. Availing women with the health care services throughout Africa is still problematic. Even where these services are available, but they are not easily reachable, so women have to walk miles and miles away. And even when they get to the services, the services are not there. And even if they are there, they are just not adequate. So we still have a big problem in this area. You have raised concern about what you say is a brain drain of doctors from Africa to the West. What have been the effects of this brain drain and what do you think can be done to stem it? Brain drain has has been a big problem in retarding the growth of developing countries because most of our best minds are exiting to uh, developed countries for better facilities to work. You know, people have to be happy in their working environment. So if we want to change this, we, we, we should establish a well-equipped, well-facilitated institutions in our countries and pay our people well. If they have good facilities, research, R&D facilities, university facilities, and if we pay them well, there's no reason why they shouldn't stay. You founded the Medical Women Association of Tanzania, part of whose mission is to inspire and provide mentorship to young women who are in the medical field in your country. You have personally indicated a desire to see an increase in female doctors in Tanzania. Has this been achieved? Uh, Again, I would say yes and no. Uh, We have made a very big stride on this. I'm very happy that uh, the number of female doctors in this country has been increasing substantially for the past 10 to 15, 20 years or so. 
really it is it is impressive the medical profession is very stressful for young women in order to make a decision to join the profession you know one has to be a, be really committed very much committed studying medicine until you qualify for six years however as time go by women have understood the importance they have understood that uh, becoming a doctor pays and it's a good thing and a lot of them are now coming up to join the faculty while professor maikambo has paved the way for more women to become doctors in tanzania many say they still face barriers here's dr ayam kalingonji again so there are a lot of challenges uh, from the start of our academic activities up to our profession life um as as a female doctor from the time of studying up to the level of practicing medicine first at the family level a female doctor at at school you look like a student but when you go back home you'll be uh, as a mom you have to take care of all the responsibilities which are needed to take care by any female at home as you know you need to take care of kids you should prepare food you should clean the house no one who is going to regard that this is a student because if you are a female your work should be should be guided with the place if you are at home you will do the home activities all the needs especially if you are a student who is already having kids and and, and spouse you have to take care of your spouse you have to take care of kids and in africa as you know we are living in extended family so you have to take care of everything so at the end of the day you remain with a very minimum time of reading or studying or doing homework uh, there are social activities in our community and you still have to participate the full participation if there are funerals or weddings or anything in the community you will not give them excuse that I'm a student as currently I'm applying for my PhD and looking for the supervisor so one of the female uh, professor she replies my email and uh, actually i was very disappointed she said oh the big mistake which you have done is to disclose your sex in in your cv why did you write that you are female you should delete that if you disclose your sex some of the uh, male professors they don't like to supervise female uh, doctors as they don't want uh, many females to be educated so better remove the sex identification on your cv and then proceed with your application then i was like eh my god what is this when you at the hospital practicing uh, medicine whenever they see you uh, wearing either a white coat even if you are a specialist doctor or professor they will call you a nurse and any male person who is practicing at the hospital they will call him a doctor regardless of the professional so this may be the higher professionals or the higher degrees were meant for men and not and not for female the, that is the community perception Professor Maikambo says she had to overcome similar assumptions about women in healthcare throughout her career. You're from Eastern Tanzania. My family lived in Northern Tanzania for many years and in other parts of Africa there was a cultural stereotype that if there was a woman doctor at a clinic you wouldn't get proper treatment. Have you witnessed this and has this hindered progress in getting women doctors out there in to the community 
Uh, yes, unfortunately, this has been the trend before, but I can I, I believe that this is almost gone now. Because I remember when I became a medical doctor in 1969, being the first female doctor, all the women did not want to to come to me as a doctor because they hadn't seen or heard about a, a woman being a doctor. So they always addressed me as a nurse or a helper and so on. But gradually when they they came to learn that uh, doctors can also be women, uh, a lot of them have changed this. And uh, as they see that the number of women doctors are improving, this thing is changing. It's changing and uh, they actually... Where, where both of them are present. They prefer to be managed by a female doctor. And of course, you know that the Muslims also, they prefer, not they prefer, but it's for them, it's a rule. You have to be seen by a female doctor if they are there. I must admit I have had a very rewarding career working as a medical doctor and as a professor of pediatrics. It has been very fulfilling for me I'm now going to become a, an emerita professor happily. Actually, I'm retiring from my profession, not from my profession, but from my position very happily. My plans currently is to write books within that profession, especially in pediatrics and child health, and to continue nurturing young medical doctors. As I've said, that uh, there are a lot of challenges and uh, problems with these young female doctors so I want them to, to take me as a role model, but also to read about how they can be firm, how they can, they can live in this profession, they can live the profession, because it is an honorable profession for, for them. And you can find out more about Esther Maikambo's career by visiting www.sidev.net. That's www.sc. IDEV.net. You can catch up on all Africa Science Focus episodes on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave a review. Today's program was produced by Harrison Lewis and edited by Fiona Broom with reporting from Michael Kaloki. Africa Science Focus is produced by SideVNet and distributed in association with your local radio station. I'm Halima Afmani. See you again next week. This program was funded by the Carnegie Corporation of New York.